Welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn and Love hosted by Richard Osler. Our guest on today's podcast is in our home along with her mother. Welcome Lila and Gina Ellsworth. Thank you. Um, This um, good family is from Gilbert, Arizona. Gina, the mom, has two kids. She's a convert to the church from Boston, and they have raised their children along with her husband and Gilbert. Lila, who is going to share her story as a gay Latter-day Saint, is um, 19, um, recently graduated from high school, and then has spent a year at the University of Utah. Shout out to the University of Utah, my alma mater, <laughs> and the team I still cheer for mostly. Um, I'm pursuing a because of the a wonderful film program at the University of Utah and also her interest in hockey. Uh, this is really brave of Lila to share her story. She's one of our youngest guests at 19. And um, as I read her outline, I was just moved by her maturity, her thoughtfulness, her relationship with Heavenly Father, her journey to understand her sexual orientation. She's going to share some journal entries. From years ago, she's trying to figure this out. She was alone trying to figure this out. Um, Like a lot of younger Latter-day Saints, not quite sure who she should talk to and how she should navigate this. And podcasts became helpful for her. And um, I think this is going to be helpful for any of you that are sort of navigating this road and need a seasoned voice that's um, just been on this road longer. And um so that's our joint prayers that this podcast will help you um, if you're younger and figuring out your sexual orientation. Or if you're a parent, you'll probably get some insights. Gina's going to be on the podcast and she will share some insights parenting a gay LDS kid. Um, I think there's some things that they did great and maybe Gina will have some suggestions or Lila on some things they could have done better. Is that okay for an introduction? That's perfect. Thank you. All right, with a prayer in my heart and a feeling of how brave you are, Lila, um, and just younger people that are figuring this out early about them, I think it makes their lives better. Um, The shame and the wonderment, that's not a word, but just owning who they are, I think them helps live a better life and hopefully a relationship with Heavenly Father and ability to navigate the church as they understand this part about them earlier. So with that, I'll turn it over to you, Lila. Okay. I guess I'll kind of just hop right in. But um, I'll kind of start with like how um, I knew I was gay or I kind of had uh, a little idea of it. Um, I don't think I ever had a, a light bulb moment. It was kind of a long progression that eventually led to me asking a very scary question at the time, which was, am I gay? Um, Growing up, there were definitely some signs, but I'd say I knew around middle school. One of the signs was I never had a celebrity crush. Um, When people would ask, I'd often just say the most popular one at the time. And uh, but I always uh, had female celebrities that I wanted to be like and look up to. And I had plenty of those, but didn't really catch on to why. Um, And then one day I had realized that I had feelings for a girl in my class in middle school and, and completely panicked. Um, I just didn't know what to do. This was, um, kind of all new feelings and, um, 
I, it just made me extremely anxious all the time. Um, I obviously kept it a secret, um, for a bit, but I think my, I, I dealt with anxiety growing up and still deal with it. And so my parents, um, realized that I was a little extra anxious than normal. And I remember like my parents asking me and I just remembered saying that's just because of school and hockey. Like, you know, I just have some projects or I'm just nervous about the game. Um, but, um, I actually ended up having my first panic attack and that obviously showed that it wasn't just about, uh, sports and hockey or sports in school. And, uh, so I told my mom everything that was going on. Um, I told her that I, I think I like this girl in my class. Like I just, I don't know. I, I didn't know what to do about it. And I, I was just terrified and, and along with anxiety, I dealt with a lot of intrusive thoughts. So initially my mom, uh, just figured it was just one that I was obsessing over. And, you know, I just had one thought and then just couldn't get it out of my head. And, and I kind of went with that too. I think that was kind of a comforting thing, um, for me to think about, cause I wasn't really ready to accept that I was gay. Um, and so, yeah, we didn't really talk about it for, um, a couple years after that, like nothing was ever, but I definitely had stuff in the back of my head, but I wasn't going to bring it up. Um, there was, there was no chance uh, that I was going to talk about it. Um, and you know, slowly I realized I, I couldn't change this part of myself. Um, uh, I, I felt, I definitely was feeling angry with Heavenly Father and I felt betrayed on why he would make me this way um, and why just, you know, why give me a future that I wasn't hopeful for. And um, so a few, um, over those few years, you know, my parents probably aren't thinking about it, but I'm, I'm finding everything I can about it. So I'm, I'm reading articles. I'm listening to podcasts like this one. Um, just trying to find videos, literally anything that I could, um, on the topic, just so I could get kind of a handle on, on what, on what was going on. And so I'd get home from school and I'd put on my headphones and I would listen to an episode or, or five, honestly, I would just run through them throughout the day. Um, and my family probably thought I was trying to ignore them, but <laughs> I, I promise I wasn't. I wasn't trying to be rebellious and just hide in my room, but I couldn't really listen to them out loud. So, um, but all these different types of media were really comforting to me and helped me sort out my fears and, and gave me a, a kind of outlet, even though I wasn't talking directly with these people. I felt like I was involved in the conversation. Um, but it was getting to the point where um, all I was thinking about and all I wanted to do was was to talk to someone and and um, and I had a lot going on in my head and and, and not having a, a physical outlet was was hard. I began praying on on who sh- I should go to, and I kept on having one of my friend's name uh, names pop into my mind, but we hadn't talked in a bit, so. I didn't think much of it. Uh, I didn't want to make her uncomfortable if I just texted her out of the blue. Um, but we 
she texted me one day um, and asked if I wanted to go to the art museum with her and, and one of my friends. And uh, we went to the museum and afterwards we went to Mod Pizza, which is just a pizza place. And, and they're kind of known for having like these stickers all over the cash register. And, and when we went, there was a lot of rainbow pride stickers um, stuck on the, the register area. And I remember both her and my other friend mentioned how they didn't like how church members treated LGBTQ people or something along the lines of that. Um, and I immediately knew um, that she was the one I, I should talk to. And I just felt this overwhelming peace for the rest of the lunch that like, she was the one that I would feel comfortable with and that she would know what to say. And, and she really did. Uh, we couple months later, I texted her and we met up for lunch. And um, yeah, I, I basically told her everything. It was my first time coming out to someone. And so that was a big deal. I just remember, I remember it was May 4th just because of Star Wars. Like, I think my sister and my brother-in-law were coming up with like a Star Wars themed dinner. So I just remember coming home after that and not being able to say anything after like just one of the biggest things in my life had just happened. And, and, um, but she, she made me feel normal, which was something I didn't know I needed until then. Um, we quickly began talking about crushes and, um, I remember being so happy to do something that seemed so small, like talk about crushes and, and dating. And, and I never really felt like, um, growing up and especially in young women's, I could, uh, share that like same level of giddiness when, you know, everyone was getting excited about dating. I was dreading it. Um, I was not excited for dances. I just, the thought of all that just made me just want to crawl up into a ball. And, um, and yeah, so I came home, I acted like nothing happened. And, uh, for the, Oh, and one of the things that we did talk about, I would meet up with her a couple times over the next few months and just ask her for advice and um, and advice on when to tell my parents. Um, and so I, I was, you know, coming up with a plan on when I would tell them. My plan was I was going to go to college and let them know. So if it goes bad, I wouldn't be with them. And I would just kind of, uh, yeah, just let it all happen in a whole nother state. And so, but that actually didn't happen. Um, little did I know it, it would not be on my own terms. So uh, during this time, I was still constantly listening to podcasts. And, uh, one Sunday morning, as I got ready for church, I was listening to questions from the closet with, which is Ben and Charlie's podcast. Um, and if there's one thing you should know about my mom's car is that I feel like it hates my phone. It never connects to my my phone first. It's always my mom's and I'm always the one playing music. So I feel like it should it should know by now that like my phone is the one to go to, but it just doesn't. And uh and so this time, so I was listening to an episode getting ready. And then we get in the car and it's just me and my mom. And I think the episode had just finished because I don't even remember listening to this episode because I kind of already knew that I was gay. 
Um, But yeah, not even a minute into the drive to church, my phone connects to the car. And right as Ben and Charlie introduce that podcast question, which is, am I gay? And so I feel like that's kind of a hard one to. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That was my stomach drop. That was probably. Yeah, that was not that was not a fun feeling. Uh, And I shut it off quickly and um, I came up with a story on how my seminary teacher had suggested a few podcasts to listen to so we could be open-minded as a class. And my mom bought it at the time and, and didn't think much of it. And meanwhile, I was sweating bullets in sacrament meeting and I'm sure she didn't even think twice about it. She was, you know, just going to church and, but I was stressing for, for a while and, uh, nothing really happened for, um, a, a few months. And, uh, and then the summer, I believe it was May, right? Yeah, May um, 2021, uh, we were driving up to Utah to meet some college coaches. And hour two into that drive of that 12-hour drive, she, uh, uh, she, she told me that she wanted to talk to me about something. And I, it was that tone that I think everyone knows that, <laughs> you know, something big is coming. And so I, um, she reminded me about the time that my phone hooked up to the car and my mom actually ended up emailing my seminary teacher, um, thanking him for being so open and suggesting that podcast to the class. Um, and he responded saying he didn't remember suggesting a podcast. So, um, my, my mom said for a while, she didn't think, she didn't think too much about it um, and uh, until my phone actually hooked up again to the house and I wasn't aware of this, but I guess I think I was listening with my AirPods and so my AirPods disconnected, didn't think much of it, but I guess it had hooked up to my mom's car when she was leaving for somewhere. And so that was, <laughs> that was kind of the nail in the coffin. Um, and so... My mom talked to my dad one day and and my dad reminded me or reminded my mom that uh, about that time in middle school where I kind of had my whole freak out and uh, about having feelings for a girl. And my mom said that she had completely forgot about that, which I think is funny looking back on it because that was a big, I mean, I was stressing for a couple years after that, you know, every once in a while I would remember, I'd be like, I don't know if she still thinks about this. She's doesn't seem like she is, but who knows? And um, so I, I immediately denied that <laughs> my seminary teacher said he never suggested a podcast, but that didn't last too long because I knew that that she she knew that something was up and felt like a big wave rushed over my body. And it's the feeling that I often get when I do something bad or just have some extreme guilt. I slowly got out the words, um, well, yeah. and. For the next hour, I was sobbing in the car, explaining how hard the last year had been. Uh, I told her I was worried about losing friends and family I cared so much about, especially on my dad's side. Um, My mom's a convert, so um, no one's a member on her side, but my dad was raised in the church, so kind of had that extra level to to go through. And so I I told her this is why I was struggling. 
with pulling away from church and I, I didn't want to go to girls camp. And she told me she understands and she knows now that I wasn't being a rebellious teenager. And she asked if struggling with liking girls went along with my anxiety. And I told her, yes, it's a big part of it. She told me she'd always love me. And if I knew that, and I continued to talk about how much out of place I felt at Young Women's, even though I'm surrounded by people I love and I've grown up with. Um, we have never, we've always been the same ward. Granted, there was a few splits, but so I've been around the same people my whole life. And so I thought of them as family as well. And just thinking about them knowing this part of me was, um, was really scary. And I talked to her about the church, put so much focus on families. And initially that's one of the reasons why I love it, but it can be hard to hear so much when the only future you have is in the in the church or at least the one that is acceptable is is staying single or getting married to someone of the opposite sex and I just reiterated that I have never wanted to be alone and I just the idea of being alone is I don't know it just it doesn't sound fun um and she also told me that if I ever got a girlfriend that she would still love me and support me and she would love my girlfriend too. Um, it was the best reaction I could have asked for, um, but it was still, I still felt blindsided. I wasn't ready for my parents to know everything. Um, I still hated being gay and I still struggled with this. Like I wasn't even supported, supportive of myself. So it felt weird for my mom to be okay with everything. Um, and just that whole weekend in Utah, I, I felt very uncomfortable. And, and even though she voiced her support, I just felt awful. And um, and we talked about my dad and, and his side of the family. And when we got back from Utah, my dad didn't talk about it with me and, and didn't mention anything. But I knew that my mom had told me that he knew. Um, and at first it didn't bother me because I wasn't really ready to talk about it either. So I was fine with not, um, with not having a conversation about it. But over time, it was like there was a big elephant in the room and, and it just, I, you know, it only lasted a few weeks where he didn't really mention it to me. But during those few weeks, you know, your mind just raced and you think about all these things like, well, like, does he even still love me? Does like just all these, I don't know. I like my brain runs and and likes to go to the craziest, um, possibilities. So, um, yeah, I, that, I went on for a couple of weeks and, um, and then of course in the car, I feel like car conversations can always get you. There's nowhere to go. He, um, brought it up and told me that he knows about everything and that he still loves me and, and didn't change it. He, um, that it didn't change anything with him. And I just talked about how uh, his side of the family was was scary to me in, in terms of their reactions, their possible reactions. And um, I just remember um, I decided to to write an email instead of a big group text. So if someone responded, um, you know, the whole family wouldn't see. And so um, if there was a bad reaction, you know, it wouldn't you know, the other family members wouldn't see and it would just be kind of me that knew. Um, and 
So I spent a few weeks typing up this email. And at the time, I had a, a really great seminary teacher that I had uh, came out to, and she was there for me as a great resource. And um, she went over the letter with me and um, I felt like I was ready to to send it out. And so I remember I went to uh, a movie and right before the movie started, I pressed send. So then I would have a good two hours to not think about it, to not have a reason to look at my phone. Um, and just, I don't know, movies have always been a safe place for me and they uh, they don't keep my mind wandering. So I just sent um, that big old email and um, I checked my my phone after and had a couple texts and nothing was, you know, uh, nothing was too crazy. And, and they were all, they were all very supportive. So yeah. Um, but I am right now, I'm currently struggling with, um, you know, the quote unquote, uh, acting on it part. Um, I've now been dating my girlfriend for over a year now, and it's been incredibly difficult to share that part of me. And I'm sure this will be the first time a lot of family and friends will even hear that I have a girlfriend. Um, and, but I, I really haven't, I've never been happier with the person and I could talk about her for hours with family and friends, but I've realized that, um, um, with some people, the support is, is surface level. And in the moment I started dating my girlfriend, I felt like I needed to keep it a secret. And, but when family and friends do uh, mention and ask about her, it feels amazing and it feels just normal. And, um, I'm very grateful for how they've talked about it in a casual way. And I feel like that's how it should be. Um, Growing up in Young Women's, I remember being so excited about when someone was, you know, everyone being so excited about when someone was going on a date and and talking about boys. And I just remember wishing I got that same experience. And so I've kind of had to like mourn that that loss of just, you know, kind of being a teenage girl and and having crushes and and but yeah, I, but throughout this whole journey, um. I know that Heavenly Father has been with me every step of the way. Um, there have been so many little divine coincidences that I can never deny him. Um, last year when I was debating on whether to ask out my now girlfriend, I prayed to know whether this was the right choice. If dating the same person was the right choice, since um, it's advised in the church to date around before you steady date. So I just, I remember feeling a lot of peace when I thought about dating her and yeah that's kind of where I'm at right now kind of figuring things out as I go you're just so brave um even though we do so many of these podcasts I'm just struck by how brave people are to come on this platform and share their story I'd like to just offer some of the things that about five or six things that popped out to me in Lila's story um, there's more of her story. She calls it random. Um, I like that. And it's just individual sort of bullet points that I'd love her to go through. Gina's here, who's been this mom ally friend, um, flew in from Arizona so she could be here today for the podcast. As I mentioned, Lila lives here in Salt Lake City, going to the University of Utah, but Gina's here 
they're right next to each other on the other side of the table, mom and daughter. Um, we should have recorded this podcast in the car um, just to sort of for fun, because that's yeah. the part of your story. Yeah, no, you would have gotten everything out. So, yeah. <laughs> we could have just brought the audio equipment with us. But <clears throat> anyway, back to serious note. I, I think it's honest how you felt betrayed by Heavenly Father. And you may not feel that now, but that may be the feeling that queer Latter-day Saints feel is because they they want to be straight and it's it makes things easier. Um, you have a testimony yeah. of the gospel and you want all these um, dreams and hopes that we talk about in our church. And, and so if those feel outside of your control, it would feel normal to be, be betrayed. So a younger self might have said, well, you shouldn't feel that way. My no- normal older self just honors how you feel and recognize that would be a logical way to feel. But then I love the way you continue to pray to Heavenly Father. It's not like you said, <laughs> you're out of my life. Yeah. Um, so, so much of your story is continuing to pray. Mm-hmm. And even at the end of your story, at least to this point, praying, should you date? And yeah. who should you date? And how should you do this? Um, the pride stickers on the register in your friend <laughs> is a really wonderful example of what we can do to be allies. So. I put my one missionary in our Facebook group that we sometimes talk about wanted to be an ally um, for potential investigators. Um, and so he couldn't put the pride flag. That was sort of not possible, but he just put his pronouns mm-hmm. in his bio. And it's just a subtle thing that yeah. I'm a safe person. So here that conversation could have gone two ways. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody Active Latter-day Saint could have seen those pride stickers and says, they're always trying to put it in our face. And, yeah, you know, you've heard this language before, but your friend said, you know, LGBTQ people are hard to road. She just said things that were kind. Yeah. And you instantly knew this is a safe person for me as you were praying for somebody to come out to. So I just think all of us that are trying to be allies can just pray and ask, what can we do? Is it a sticker? Is it? Is it social media? Is it just the things we say? With We can even reference the church's website and some of the statements from leaders and just put those on social media that are kind statements towards LGBTQ people. Yeah. I love then this conversation with your friend. I can't remember <laughs> if you mentioned her name. Um, yeah, her name's Kate. Um, yeah, she's a really good friend of mine and she's she always knows what's what to say, and she's she's a very happy person. So she's amazing to be around. So Kate, the fact that you saw those pride stickers and just said that, you were prayers are answered often through other people. It is a privilege to be the person who answers a prayer from Heavenly Father and be able to bless somebody else. And you did that for Lila. Um, and I love what. Um, how you made Lila feel normal. Yeah. And what, what a great thing she did for you. Mm-hmm. Um, intrusive thoughts are a real thing. And I like the, <laughs> you know, I'd, um, we've done podcasts with intrusive thoughts and you're good about saying the craziest possible things. And you kind of w- wondered what's my dad going to think. And then you finally had this conversation and it wasn't anything like you thought. And often that's a good part of coming out as you, the intrusive thoughts, the wondering of how everybody's going to react. When you feel it's time to come out, often then those thoughts don't match the reality of how people respond. So 
I love that you use your seminary teacher as a resource on your coming out. Yeah. Um, she was actually one that I just felt that she was safe. I don't really remember her saying anything in seminary that kind of, you know, I, in my brain told me that she was a safe person. But I just remember um, I went to a different school my senior year and, and it's a very... Um, there's a lot of members that go there and, and I knew that that would probably be a little difficult. And, and I just remember like the first week she just seemed like a really kind person and, and just always, you know, also like Kate, like just knew what to say and was very respectful of others. And remember, I just asked her like one time if I could meet with her after school. And I was just, I was struggling a lot with, um, being at this school um and she obviously knows what it's like to to teach at this school and and the people that are there and so she would kind of get that part of it and so um yeah i i just told her everything that was going on and she gave me a lot of resources and then i went to uh, she suggested the all conference um in arizona which i went to last year i think and she went with me and, wow. and she was, yeah, she wow. was amazing. And yeah, he's, he's awesome. Well, and she, um, she emailed, or I should say when Lila would be absent from seminary, I would have to email her and tell her why. And so, um, it became a daily thing of me having to say, Lila won't be there you know, and she was very kind and concerned and what, you know, what, is she okay? Is she feeling all right? Wow. She's been sick for three days now. And so, um, it was exhausting for me as well. Just in, um, I knew she didn't feel safe going there. She had some students in the class that would say a lot of anti things. And that was her first hour of the day. And that's how she started her day. And, um, I just finally just said to her, you know, I sent her an email because she was gone another day. And I just said, I don't know when Lila will be back. Um, she's not sick. She's just really struggling with things. And it's really hard for her to be there right now. It's not my place to tell you what's going on. But I just, I'm not going to lie to you and say, you know, I said, I just can't make excuses anymore. She just, she just won't be there. And, and um, she really spent a lot of time with Lila after school. I mean, Lila was only there half a day, but she would meet her after the day was done and talk with her. She offered to meet with me and I met with her for over an hour and cried with her and hugged with her. And that was the first person um, that I had spoken to about Lila being gay other than my husband at the time. And so um, that was huge for me because it was a huge weight. Um, lifted off me where I could talk about it and not feel judged or scared. And so she was, she was huge, a huge supporter and, and Lila's um, journey on this. She was amazing. Shout out to seminary teachers. Um, I've noticed particularly, I mean, seminary teachers connected with young people are generally pretty wired in on this topic and yeah. trying to do the right thing. And I love that you knew this seminary teacher was a safe person. 
Um, <clears throat> I like how you describe how you feel when you're with your girlfriend. And you use that word normal again. Yeah. Um, I think just growing up, I, it kind of cliche to say, but I just, I felt different um, from people and, and didn't figure out what it was until later on. And, and I missed having that, you know, kind of, you know, teenage boy crazy, like, um, you know, and celebrity crushes and, and all that. And, and I feel like I'm finally um, getting to experience like just being like giddy to to go on a date or I just remember when I first realized I liked her it was just it was fun like I just I, I don't know I also didn't feel like I was forcing myself to like her which was the case with um a lot of guys that um you know I quote unquote liked so um but yeah she is an amazing person and and uh, we're on the hockey team together, so I've got someone to to kind of lean on if things get too stressful with, with school and hockey. So, yeah. Yeah, I love the way, um, also like where you said it, and this is something that I would have known to do five or ten years ago, because I didn't know how to talk to parents. I remember, you know, there was a gay kid in our ward, and I didn't know what to say to his parents. And I love the way you said when people ask you who you're dating and just ask you the same questions that ask a straight person your age yeah, and how, um, how amazing that makes you feel. Yeah. And so I think we can just learn to do that, um, to be, you know, as your daughter's out more broadly, I hope your word family, you know, ask, you know, about who you're dating and, you know, and just ask the same questions we'd ask straight kids. And mm. this isn't, because it creates shame and it just creates, and I think it's just a natural thing to ask. And I don't think it's crossing a line in church teachings to be interested in all your kids, Gina, yeah. and, and parents that have queer kids, just to be interested in them. Yeah. So I'd love to either shift to Gina now sharing kind of more of the story or to Lila's random thoughts, which are terrific. Um, my mom can take it over for a bit. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, you're going to give some insights to parents. You kind of wonder if you've got a queer kid and you're kind of wondering, should I talk about this or not with her or wait for her to come out? So you're going to give us some yeah. context here of yeah. Bluetooth, how Bluetooth yeah. works too. Yeah. Well, I was, I was amazed when she did say about her seminary teacher, um, just that he shared this. And so I did email him because I, I really... I'm always really amazed at um, teachers and anybody who has an influence in my child's lives. I've always written them a thank you note or an email or just, so I was, I was, I thought, wow, that's really impressive. I'm going to email him and thank him, you know? And, and so then when he emailed back and said, he doesn't remember um, recommending that particular podcast that kind of got wheels turning and, um, and I know she had been struggling for a really long time. And um, so I did think a road trip, this is the first, you know, road trip I've ever taken with her and, you know, just the two of us being in a car that long. And so I thought that would be the perfect time because she couldn't run away. She couldn't just, she had to talk to me. And um, that was a very hard car drive for me too. Um, 
I saw the pain in her as soon as I asked her that question. I just saw her whole countenance change. And, um, you know, I'm driving, I, I don't remember on the 15 or whatever that freeway is. And, um, you know, as I'm doing like 80 and I just couldn't hold on to her tight enough, you know, wow. her, holding on to her hand and just, um, it made me so sad to think that she has been dealing with this all by herself for years. And I knew she struggled with anxiety and I did everything in my power to help with that. Um, and it makes sense why, you know, everything we tried to do for her didn't work because we weren't addressing what she was really having anxiety about. And um, I just, I just remember when she confirmed that she was, I had this, this peace about it. I didn't have any fear. Um, and I'm a very fear driven person. Um, I worry about everything, every detail, every, and, and I remember being surprised that I didn't have fear about this. Um, and, and then I just had a lot of sadness because I knew that she had been alone on this journey for so long and, um, and that she didn't feel that she could tell us. Um, so that was, that was hard just, and, and no matter what I did, I couldn't, you know, even though I approved of her and didn't see her any differently, she didn't believe that. And so that was, that was hard. It wasn't just the car drive. It was months and months after that, where she still hated herself and didn't want, you know, didn't want to live, didn't want to be around because she didn't feel like her life was worth living, having these thoughts, you know, feelings. Um, so that was really hard for me. Um, I did, I have a, I wrote about just a, it wasn't too long after um, this experience with Lila and she was really struggling. Um, it was, I think about six or seven months after, but she, um, she was having a really hard time wanting to live. And during this time of even after knowing about her, um, I knew that she had been struggling with wanting to live. And then this past week was the hardest week she had ever had. And, um, it was really late. And, uh, we always kind of had these middle of the night talks is kind of when her mind would race and she wouldn't be able to sleep. And, and my mind would race. And so we would, we would talk in the middle of the night and, um, she, um, just told me she, she, I mean, she had shared on many occasions that she would rather be dead than gay. And that was extremely hard to hear. Um, she didn't share that with my husband. She, she shared it with me multiple times. And so, um, that was really hard to hear. And so I knew this particular week she was really struggling. And um, this one night in the middle of the night, I was in her bedroom and she was crying to me and just saying she didn't want to live anymore. And um, she asked me, you know, we're in the dark and so I can't really see her and I'm just holding her. And she asked if um, how that felt like her saying that to me. And I just remember being exhausted and um, I just wanted all that pain to go away for her. And I remember telling her, 
I'm not going to be upset if you kill yourself, but I'm going to be really sad. And, um, and she, she just, you know, it was quiet. I just said, I would really miss her and I would be really sad, but I understand why you don't want to be here. Like I understand that because it was hurting me and I'm, you know, I, I'm only dealing with just a tiny small piece of it. And so she, you know, there was kind of a pause and she just said, well, I, then I'm going to live for you this week. Wow. And I remember just leaving her room, you know, after a while and, and just exhausted and just thinking like, all right, she's like, I've got this week. She's going to live for me, you know? And, um, but it made me sad that she wasn't living for herself and that she didn't feel worthy enough to live for herself. And, you know, so I was grateful that she, um, she was going to live for me that week, but, um, I just, it made me sad that she, you know, had a lot of shame and, and I think that's, that's definitely something in our church that we need to do better on. There's a lot of shame and it's not just people that are gay. It's anybody that's different. Um, you know, people that are single moms and I was a single mom. I was divorced. I have a blended family now. I mean, I have a lot of the things, you know, I have, I'm the only member in my family. So I have, I come from a background of people that are different. And um, I think we need to do better at treating people. Um, like we, we need to be Christ-like, which is, that's in the name of our church. And we need to represent that a little bit better than, than what I feel like we're doing right now. I'm just so moved. It's really sacred ground when you take us to those dark nights, when you're openly talking about suicide and that conversation's happening. Mm -hmm. I'm glad it's happening. And I'm glad you're open up to your mom and you're not processing that alone. And even though that's painful for a parent to hear, I'm glad you're there. And I look at that as a beautiful family love story. Gina, that you're there. Um, I love that you kind of were supportive of Lila from day one, even though Lila was less supportive of Lila from day one. Right. I don't, I think that's takes some of the fear out, you know, even if you marry someone of the same sex, I will still love you. I don't think that causes necessarily someone to follow that path. It just, they just don't have to wonder. Right. Um, um, I love the car ride and where you saw all the pain in her. You could have made it about you. Um, this is really hard for me as a mom to have a gay kid. What will people think? Um, you didn't go down that road. Right. Um, you, you made it about Lila. And her pain, and I think that's just great parenting. Even though you've got your own personal journey and you need support in that moment, intuitively as a mom, you saw your daughter and all the pain and you made it about her. And you want to do everything you can to take that pain away from her. Yes. Um, I recognize that <clears throat> I don't think you came hating yourself, <laughs> um, Lila. I think that is a learned thing from society and from church culture. 
Um, and I think you know how God feels about you. And I think this is me talking to queer Latter-day Saints. I think you need to look at yourself and realize that how you're created is, is intended, that nothing went wrong and you should be on the same moral ground as straight people. And I think we have a responsibility as Latter-day Saints to treat you that way and perhaps even err on the side of extra support because you're walking a harder road. And straight people, no one should feel um, that they hate themselves for something that they can't undo and they didn't do in the first place. This isn't like, this doesn't change, this isn't new. It's just, you know, you've articulated that better than I have. So I just think um, that is a learned thing that's unfortunate. And to me, that doesn't change church doctrines or church teachings. We just need a culture that represents the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't marginalize people. People marginalize people. And we need to fix that. That's Sister McConkie's quote. I recognize that you're having this conversation. I'd rather be dead than gay. Um, but I love that you're having it with your mom. And I love this promise you made. I'll live for you for another week. But I recognize you wanted Lila to live for herself. Yeah. In the long term. You took that. <laughs> Yeah. You took what you could yeah, get. Yeah, exactly. It's all I could get at the time. So, um, anyway, that's a pretty tender segment. Yeah. Well, and you had mentioned um, that I didn't make it about me, and that you know I didn't say that this is this is you know my challenge is having you as a gay daughter, <laughs> and what am I going to do with that? And um, that hasn't been my trial. It's it's what has come you know, the, um, how she's been treated because of it, you know, so my trial is not that she's gay. I, she's, she's no different to me. She's Lila, you know, she's, she's our daughter and, and I don't see any difference in her, um, but other people do. And that has been, that's been my trial from, from that day on is the hesitation of who I talk to, the, the the word safe has has a new meaning to me um this last year especially just i don't know who's safe and who i can share this with when people really want to know where my struggle lies or why i haven't been at church for weeks that's why it's there's been hurt there um it's hard but i i also come from a place of i understand I'm trying to understand, you know, I can't just come to church and expect everybody to just change the way they think and, and have thought all their lives. And, um, that's all that's, I can't expect that either. And so I feel like I'm kind of in a tough spot right now where I, I'm trying to, you know, have grace for those that I'm struggling with. And because I want them to have grace for Lila and everybody else that's different and marginalized. And, um, so that's, that's hard. You, you, you want what, you know, I need to practice what I want for myself and my family. And it's a lot harder to do than, you know, it's easy to say, but harder to do. Well said. And that's where I hope for more support for families. Um, um, for queer members of families and for parents. Yes. And that our faith community knows how to rally around and we create a culture that your whole life 
growing up, you're just filled with positive comments about people like you from our church. And probably most of the comments you've heard are not in that category. <laughs> yeah, I, that's definitely something that, that you know, you just kind of hang on to, to comments and and in different church settings and not even in church settings, just in the world. Like you just, um, the world as a whole isn't exactly a safe place. And, but I think as I've like come out to people and, um, you know, I realized that obviously I've been with myself for 19 years. So I know, I know what I'm feeling and I know my intentions and, but other people don't know that. And so they're obviously coming to terms with me being gay and same way I came to terms with me being gay. And so I think it's, it's taking a lot of patience and I'm learning how to be patient with other people and their timeline. And cause yeah, like not everyone's gonna love you from the start and support you. And, and that's yeah, just, just unfortunately how the way things are right now share ra- random thoughts i love your <laughs> bullet list of random thoughts if you want to i'd love to um, for our listeners to hear these do you have like a specific one you want oh me i think they're all on? great um <laughs> just trust you to know what you should share oh uh, let's see um well, i guess um Obviously, my mom's here, but um, my dad's still um, back in Arizona. But he has come a very long way. And um, he, we are very, we are um, very similar. And so I feel like that makes us butt heads a lot. And um, I think that's kind of why we didn't really talk about it and, and didn't really talk about it too often. Um, unless my mom was with us and it was kind of like a family intervention meeting thing. So, um, but one of the things I wrote, I don't know where I put it, but I know it's on here. Um, but my, my dad, um, went to this most recent all conference and I came home for like some dental work, uh, last week or two weeks ago. And I got home. I was walking in the garage and I saw his lanyard just on the side of the door. And I just kind of stood there and I was like, I don't know. I just kind of had a moment to myself and I thought like, that's just awesome. Like, that's so cool to just see. I don't know. That just made me really proud of him. And yeah, he just, he has come a long way and, um, he never was like rude about it. It was just, I think he was just uncomfortable with, with it. And which is fair. Cause I was uncomfortable with it too. So, but yeah, that's one of my random bullet points that I put down. Yeah. So I just want to share, he, he sent me a few things because he's not here obviously, but um, that he would like to share and. Um, Tell us his first name. Matt. Matt. Okay, Matt, you're on. And by proxy, <laughs> by proxy. And he, and just to give some context. So the first all conference that Lila and I attended that her seminary teacher invited us to, he did not go to, he didn't, 
say no, you know, flat out, but he, he had other things, you know, he didn't make it a priority. And I remember being kind of hurt by that. Um, but then when this next one came around and we got the date of it, I said, we need to go to this. And he agreed and we made sure that we moved things around for it. And so that I was proud as well. Um, and he just, he knew we were coming here today and he said that his, uh, his thoughts are that we need to show love to everyone regardless. And, and he kind of reiterated why I had said it, where it's not just in the LGBTQ community. Um, it's anyone that comes into our church, you know, anyone that comes in that's different and um, that that's really important. And we've, he, he saw my heart. He, and he's kind of that way. He sees um, people's hearts and, and their intentions and sees the good in everybody. Um, and then he's said that this prog- this process has been a long one. It's not a quick thing and, and we're still learning and, and growing and um, that it's, it's a long process and that um, he's had to be very patient with himself and with others. Um, and that's, and I, I would echo that as same for me. I need to be patient with myself and, and especially with others who, you know, there's been a lot of hurt done and, and said, and just with different, different things. And, um, we're, we're just trying to be patient and then be patient with ourselves and, and being okay with that pain, you know, and realizing it's okay to be hurt by these things, you know, and, and and then try to figure out how to deal with it. So, Way to go, Matt. I heard all conference 2023 was terrific. And Bryce Cook and everybody involved with all, thank you for the work you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's awesome. So, yeah, that was one of the ones that I, I wrote down. Um, I guess I have quite a few bullet points just to kind of reiterate what I said at, at the beginning, but just that I know that Heavenly Father has been with me and and just, yeah, those little coincidences. And so I, I wrote down a few. Um, I, in high school, I just remember like, once again, just trying to figure out what I was going to do with all this. And um, my seminary teacher that um, did say that he didn't suggest so just so we know the timeline. Um, uh, this was in December 2020. So I put uh, from my journal, I wanted to write down something that happened yesterday in seminary in one of our poll everyone questions in which you send in questions and it's anonymous. Someone asked, can someone be LGBTQ plus and still be a member of the church? My seminary teacher said the short answer is yes, but then talked more about it. I was... A little confused at some parts, but that's okay. I was grateful for that person who sent it in. Maybe they're struggling with the same thing I am. It feels good to know someone around me is wrestling with that question too. What really hit me was what my seminary teacher said at the end of his response. He said that if someone around us is dealing with this, that God loves us and we have a place here in general and in the church. Um, He then told everyone to turn to each other and tell everyone, do you love them? And even though we all said it through laughs, it felt, I felt so much peace and love. And I often think, would this person still love me if they knew? And that experience helped me feel love. And 
I just remember not even expecting anyone to submit any questions like that. I feel like a lot of times we get like, how can you feel a spirit, which isn't a bad one, but I was looking for something more deeper. And so that one, I was like, sweet. Like I didn't even have to submit that. And someone asked that. And I just remember, yeah, like we just turned to the person next to us and we told them that we love them. And it was just like some random classmate just told me that they loved me and and we were laughing about it. And so it wasn't like, you know, I don't know, but it just, it felt like I knew that was a sign from God just saying like, you know, he's there and that he loves me. And, um, and another one was, um, right before I think, uh, who I should talk to or, yeah, I, I don't think I had come out to anyone, but, um, I was at the temple while I was, um, in my car, just sitting on the parking lot. And I remember just praying on for guidance and I was just scrolling on Instagram, probably should have been more, well, it worked out in this case, but <laughs> probably should have been more, um, in tune to the spirit, but I ended up um, seeing my sister repost, um, I believe you've had Dallas Campbell yeah. with you. Great young man. Yeah. So he, um, my sister had reposted his video, his coming out video. And so I just remember, thinking, I was like, and then I realized he was from Gilbert. I was like, no way. He's so close. So, um, I don't even think, cause I like reached out to him on like a spam Instagram. So I don't even know if he knows this, but I, I reached out to him and, and we talked a little bit and, he was very helpful with just advice. And that was a nice little, like just to get me through the week, just talking to someone. And, and that was just another little thing that, and there's so many that I don't even, I can't even remember, but they all just pop in randomly. Yeah. You're looking. So she had mentioned Dallas Campbell. So uh, my older daughter got me in contact with some moms in the, um, in the, you know, in the Valley that, um, were LDS and have a child or, um, she, she, I don't know how the connection is, but she connected me with Monica Phillips. Monica. And, um, I met Monica at a restaurant and ended up talking to her for three hours (laughs) and (laughs) cried with her. And she was the first person that I had talked to who, who really understood my pain. And, um, so I was really grateful for that. And then through, through there, um, I've gone to several lunches with other moms and, um, I got to meet Dallas's mom and I gave her a big hug. And I said, I don't think your son realizes, you know, I said, he was one of the first people my daughter reached out to, um, because of his post that he, you know, his coming out post. And, um, I just remember reading what he wrote her, she shared it with me. And I was just beyond grateful that all of the guidance and love that he gave her, it wasn't, you know, like leave the church or he, he just, he was very respectful and, and, um, even offered, I think to meet for lunch if you wanted to sometime or he was, he was very kind. And so, um, I've been able to, through my older daughter, meet these amazing ladies, um, Lynette Braddock yeah, um, and Liz McDonald yeah. and Eric McDonald. I've been in their home and I get to go to those parent nights and 
Um, that's the first time my husband stood up and said, you know, this is, we're Gina and Matt Ellsworth and, and we have a daughter, Lila, she's 18 and gay, you know, and, and I remember sitting there in their living room, just in awe that my husband said that with no hesitation and, um, and the people, so all of those people we've been able to meet have kept me going, um, kept my, I just, you know, the times when I wanted to give up, I, I, when Lila wanted to end her life, I text all of those women and ask for them to pray for her, you know, because they understand the, the severity of, you know, your child telling you that they don't want to live. And, um, she wasn't just saying it to get attention. It was, she was you know, just really confiding in me that she was scared. And, um, so I'm, I'm just grateful for, for all of, you know, for Dallas and everybody else that, that takes that time in this space to, you know, meet with people that are new to this whole thing. And I mean, they just took me in and, um, instantly loved me. And that, that was amazing. Those are some of my favorite people. They're amazing. I saw Eric and Liz last night in town and um, that parent group that they're doing is just beautiful and I love that you and Matt you know were there and just introduced yourselves and and your gay daughter and I think for parents it's really important generally to find community and I think you're used to finding that in your word family <laughs> and that may be possible and you may have some in your word family but I love the way you and I've seen you know, you've got to take care of yourself and find community so you can be a better parent to your queer kid. And often your queer kid can't provide that for you. I think we intuitively know that as parents, but I think we know we need help. And so I love that you found your people. And every parent's going to do that a little different. Some just need one friend, some need a community, and you've got to find the ones that are kind of supportive of the road you want to take as a family. Um, and how you're going to navigate this. So that was really a good segment. Keep sharing. We've got, we're at the hour mark. We can go about another 10, 15 minutes. Okay. Um, you've got some more cool journal entries. <laughs> I've got some more thoughts I'd love to share. Okay. Or just more thoughts. They don't need to be journal entries. They can just be part of these random thoughts by Lila. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess I'll go through my journal entries. I just kind of got a random group of them. Um, but uh, in October 2020, I, I put, I didn't choose to like girls. I just do. I, I wish there was a place to be gay and Mormon. Some people think being gay only means sexual attraction, but it's so much more emotionally, romantically. Um, but of course, I think be girls are beautiful, but that's not everything. And I feel like that's, I don't know, I, I feel like there's a, a misconception just about, I mean, I think because we use the word sexual orientation a lot, so obviously it puts a lot of focus on sex, but I just think, um, obviously that's not all that it boils down to. Like you wouldn't boil down anyone's relationship to just that. And um, I just, and I think it's not, you know, it's not really anyone's fault that they think that it's, I know growing up, like, lesbians or just gay women, like, um, in TV shows and movies, and I think I wrote something about that, but um, just, it was either very sexualized or um, very masculine, or I don't know if this is an okay word, but, uh, like, just a, a butch stereotype, and 
just remember growing up thinking I didn't fit. I think that was the reason I was kind of in denial. It was like, I don't really feel like I fit um, this type. So I don't think I'm gay. Like, I think I'm good. Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, obviously in, in media and I th- it's getting better, but obviously growing up, that's what people see and and hear about. And I don't know. That was just, that was one of the journal entries. It's uh, a great journal entry. Yeah. Um, it's really wise beyond your years as you're figuring <laughs> this out. And I love you journal about it. I mean, it's good therapy. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love keeping a journal and it's definitely fun to look back and, and see what I've written. Um, oh, this was the first time I wrote in my journal that I thought I was gay. Um, I didn't even want to write in this just in case someone like found my journal and like it had never been out except for in my mind. And so August 21st, 2020, I put, um, I'll never make it to the celestial kingdom. I think I'm gay or bisexual. I didn't ask to have these feelings. And that was all I wrote that day, I remember. Like, that's not even like a little excerpt, excerpt from like a longer one. I just remember, like, I didn't even want to expand on that. I just wanted, like, that was it. That was all I was worried about. And yeah, that one was, it's kind of a big mile marker. I just want to chime in. She, um, she makes light of it, but that makes me teary-eyed that she would even think that and um that's like I said I I have a lot of peace um I don't know how this is all going to fit at in the end but I know that God is good and that he's not going to leave out some of you know I think about my other family members that aren't members of the church I don't it wouldn't be a heaven to me if I couldn't be with them and see them so it's no different um and and Lila's a good person. She's she's an amazing person, and and for her to be born with these feelings, and then to say, "Well, I'm never going to make it there," is that's that's hard to hear as a parent because I definitely don't want to be there. If she's not going to be there, I want to be with my family, you know. And and that'll that will be my celestial glory is wherever my family is. So. That's, that's a hard one to hear, but, you know, she makes light of it, but it's, that's pretty profound um, and sad that she's writing that, you know, th- thinking back that, that she's writing that by herself and feeling, you know, I don't remember. I mean, I obviously I wasn't a member of the church at her age, but um, I was not thinking about my eternal salvation at 16, 17 years old. And I wasn't thinking about it at 20, you know, I just. So I, I just remember thinking, gosh, this kid is just, she was always worried about the future, eternal things, perspective, and just, just very deep. And, and that's pretty amazing. I just, I never, I worried about boys at that age and, you know, what outfit I was going to buy next at the mall. And she's worrying about the celestial kingdom. So that's pretty, pretty profound. Yeah, I agree. Um, no one should think because of how they feel that they can't get to the celestial kingdom, but I recognize why you felt this way. Yeah. And 
Um, so we just have so much work to do in our culture, um, even potentially with policies and just more insights to better support queer Latter-day Saints. I'm open to anything, listeners, that improves the experience for queer Latter-day Saints. But more, anything more you'd like to share from these random bullet points? Um, They're kind of random truth bombs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I'll share just one more, but um, I wrote in June 2021, uh, I put, I wish sometimes I was never born into a family in the church, but church has given me so much peace, friends, community, direction, and happiness. I don't want to choose. I don't like either consequences. And I feel like that still holds true. Like I, um, I'm still trying to figure out how to be both. And as of right now, I'm not going to church every week, but I'm doing things that keep me close to Heavenly Father. And, um, and I also think like, I think I also heard this on a podcast and I agreed with it, just that I feel out of place at church for being gay. And then in other situations, like if I'm around um, a lot of queer people that aren't members of the church, I feel out of place for being religious and especially Mormon. And so it's a weird, I never thought that I, it would be the other way around. Um, and so I think, um, as I'm being more out in in public, I find that I'm I'm getting like I could find a better word, but just I'm getting like made fun of for being religious and believing in God. And so it's just kind of a funny but not funny um like part of just having this dichotomy of of being queer and and being religious. Oh really insightful. Yeah. Um I think you have the spiritual maturity, the emotional maturity to navigate that. I wrote down as you were talking, write your own story. And you write, you've got the LGBT community potentially saying, this is how you do it. And you may see, but you seem to, and that's why I'm so glad you're on the podcast, because you have this grounded, really mature, you're 19, you're way wise beyond your years. You've had to be. Um, You've had to navigate the complexity of being LDS and being gay. And doing everything you've known how to figure that out. Podcasts, praying, temple attendance, coming out to Kate, if that's her name, <laughs> eventually your parents. But I love the way you seem to just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this my way. I'm going to write my own story. And I've got all these voices around me and other stories. And that's my general advice to listeners is write your own story with Heavenly Father and Jesus at your side. And... Yeah, I always invite you to follow church teachings, but I think we do what a lot of families do. We just say, we love you. We'll let you self-determine your path. We'll keep the family relationship together and intact. We'll walk with each other, love each other. We're just going to leave this, like you said earlier, Gina, at the feet of the Savior. We don't know how this is all going to work out, but we know what to do. As parents and families, we love each other. And so I just I love your family story. I wrote down a couple things, listeners. Um, the proclamation of the family, I just wanted to comment on that. If I were doing a fifth Sunday 10 years ago um, and were asked to speak about LGBTQ, I might um, bring out the proclamation of the family and just go through that and remind everybody what our doctrine is. 
if I were teaching a fifth Sunday today, I would, we have the proclamation of the family on the family in our home. I believe in that document. I support and sustain it, but it doesn't answer how Lila is going to live her life. It just probably reminds her of what's not possible and she's powerless to change that. And so I would probably just build empathy for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints and go to the church's website and so on and just use church leader quotes to talk about how we should treat LGBTQ Latter-day Saints and and build empathy and understanding and perspective for what it's like, like Ben Shalati says, what's it's like to walk in their shoes. And I think that's, so that's just a personal change for me is just recognizing that what I thought answered every question for an LGBTQ Latter-day Saint may not. It just, it doesn't tell you how to be alone for the rest of your life (laughs) if you want to fully participate in the church. And it sometimes gets weaponized against people like you in a negative way. So I think we can just do better in this space as Latter-day Saints and use church leader quotes to build empathy and our responsibility to bear more and comfort. And we can do that. Um, And there's even language in the proclamation of the family that opens the door for those discussions because it recognizes some people are walking different roads and a marriage isn't possible. Um, So that's just some thoughts on that. If you ever are teaching about LGBTQ at a fifth Sunday, you might use that as a chance to build empathy for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. I love Elder Minor and his mission. I put this in my first book and it comes back to mind is he's in a, um, a leadership training in his mission and he's a friend of his dad is my friend growing up. And so I've known Elder Minor and they're talking about how can they be more, um, create, be better missionaries. And Elder Meyer stands up and says, let's quit the gay jokes. If we're supposed to be set apart disciples of Jesus Christ, there is no place for gay jokes. And it was a rebuke. And the mission president (laughs) said, you are exactly right, Elder Meyer. And they resolved that day to follow more of being Christ-like disciples and set apart missionaries. So you mentioned some of the painful things you've heard along the way. And sometimes we just can do better. There's no place in the gospel of Jesus Christ for gay jokes, trans jokes, lesbian jokes. Um, it just doesn't belong. And our culture, we laugh, we joke, we think it's cool. But there are LGBTQ people hearing everything we hear. And if, if you're the initiator of those jokes, you're adding burden to people. Um, so I love your seminary experience where people just said, I love you. And how much that meant to you? with just that question being answered. Um, I recognize Bryce Cook introduced me this concept, the double bind. He's got two gay sons and involved with all. But he says, yeah, my sons would like to have a life partner and actually believe in the church. And yeah. that's sort of for the first time, light bulbs went off and go, that's complex. Yeah, This is more complex than I understood when I first started to try to understand this space. So your story is kind of an illustration of the double bind. You'd love to just share your life with somebody. Ben Shalati has done what you've done. He says he doesn't talk about his sexual orientation anymore. He just talks about my orientation. And he says, I'm orientated in, and it just described my relationship with my wife. You know, we talk, I want to talk, you know, I'm just oriented in every way to a guy. Yeah. 
and it's and it's so it's my orientation and i like that because it because your point is this is not just about sexual orientation this is just in all aspects of my life i'm wired to connect with women yeah and that's just how you, who you are and you didn't do anything to cause that you can't do anything to uncause that and so our job is to love and support you and recognize the complexity of your journey so those are just some of the thoughts. Um, you made a film um, for your film class at the University of Utah, and I've seen that. It's terrific. Thank can you. we? Is that a public thing we can put in the um, show notes, or would you rather not? It's not, because I didn't really do any research on the copyright. It was actually a final I had to, and it was, That's it was a little late, so I kind of rushed through it. Well, but, um, it's well done, and I've had the chance, listeners, to see it, but we won't link to it in the show notes. <laughs> I'll, I'll come up with a better one eventually. <laughs> but so. you have some real talent in the film area. Thank you. Um, one of the things I sense that's happening in society, which I think is a good thing, listeners, is younger people are owning this about them earlier. You could be doing this podcast at 29 and walking this road of 10 years of internalized homophobia and private journal entries. and um, and your mom kind of intuitively knowing there's something going on here. Um, I don't quite know what, but this is just, it's a respect for you and perhaps some improvement in society that you're able and the podcasts and the resources. So you can hear Dallas Campbell's story and recognize he's a terrific young man and you have parents. So I think this is a good thing that people are able to come out earlier and the decades of internalized homophobia and the shame and the self-loathing that to me don't shouldn't be there. There's they're learned things because of what we say. And so I just think you have a great life ahead of you. <laughs> and you have worked so hard to get you to where you are right now. And Thank it's you. a remarkable journey and it's a success story. And you can make the rest of your life possible because of the work you've done to get to this point. And you're alive and you have hope, you're talented and so many areas and the world's a better place for you being here. And that's all of us talking to any of you that are suicidal and wondering if life's worth living. There are better days ahead for you. And I think if your older self could go back, if yourself right now mm -hmm. in 2023 could go back to those journal entries three or four years ago and talk to you in those dark nights, you know, you would just fill your younger self with hope about her future. Yeah. So. Any more thoughts? Those are kind of my thoughts, listeners. Anything else you'd all like to share? Um, I think I'm good. Do you have anything that you want to share? I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just grateful for all the books that have been written, podcasts that are done. Um, I know that that takes a lot of time. And it's just been an amazing resource for um, myself, my husband for Lila, um, you know, when she was alone in this, she had those podcasts and books and, um, it's, we've been, um, you know, we've worked with our church leaders and they have spent time and, you know, sharing the podcasts, you know, or, or we share one with them and, and they listen to it and then they give us their, you know, insight. And, and that's been, it's been amazing to, um, you know, be able to share something like that. And that's, that's the reason why we wanted to do this. We're, we're not, we're both very similar and we don't like attention. We don't like to be in, you know, um, front and center. And, but we felt that this would be a really good opportunity to share 
Lila's story and um, that it could help people out there. And like many of the stories have helped us. So we're, we're beyond grateful for your work and um, questions from the closet, lift and love, you know, all the books that have written that are just not even, you know, Steve Young's book. It's just, it just amazing on, you know, love. Just, we just, we had a missionary um, not too long ago, a few months ago in our home, and he had a bracelet that had um, the initials HWLF. And I said to him, I have never seen that before. What does that stand for? And he says, oh, a missionary. One of my companions was giving these out. Every new missionary, you know, every new companion he got, he gave him a bracelet. He's like, it means he would love first. And I just thought, wow, that's pretty amazing, you know, and just that's, that's what Heavenly Father would do. He wouldn't shame you. He wouldn't scold you. He would love you first. And so that's, that's our hope is that we can have a little bit more love for everyone, not just the LGBT community. We, we just want anyone who's different to be able to feel like they can come to church and, you know, we're not trying to change them. We, you know, we, we want to just honor everyone and where they're at. And that's, that's what my husband did for me when he met me. He just accepted me for where I was at and didn't push anything on me. And, and I saw that light in him and others. And, and that's what drew me in. It wasn't that someone was forcing me to come or, you know, live a certain way or dress a certain way or be a certain way. He just, he just loved me. And, and that was, that was enough. That feels like Zion, Gina. Yes. Thank you, Lila, Gina, Matt, who's joined us <laughs> via proxy um, and this beautiful family love story. And act on your impressions, what you can do in your circle of influence to better support Queer Latter-day Saints. Or if you're walking this road, um, stay close to Heavenly Father. Do what Lila did. Keep praying about how to navigate this road. Um, Heavenly Father loves you. Our Heavenly Parents love you, and, and Heavenly Father will continue to guide you. This is Richard Osler signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <laughs>